Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sunday morning and we're thankful that Jesus saves. We're thankful for the Word of God and for the fact that we can assemble together. And yet, Lord, we come together with many needs, many burdens, many cares, and struggles of this life. Lord, we ask that we be able to lay those aside in these next few minutes and sing these songs in praise and worship to you. Lord, we pray that as the preaching of the Word goes forth, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to minister to each life. And Lord, when it comes to the time of invitation, that each one of us here would give and surrender to God what is rightfully His. Help us to worship You as our Creator, as the only true God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Children and those that are helping in the children's church, dismissed at this time. And just... Thank you very much. Got to keep enough water to keep the windmill running. Amen. Uh, Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And uh, I will tell you, we certainly live in a time of fear and doubt. A time when we we just do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, We are hoping uh, to start work on breaking up the sidewalk and fix the sidewalk tomorrow. Amen? Uh, So it takes great faith uh, to do that. Well, uh, everything we try to do around here, we try to do by faith. And uh, I I remember as we were starting this project last fall, we got the wonderful little notes from Department of Transportation saying sidewalks in violation and all these things. And uh, I'm going, how in the world is this going to happen? I thought we only had to get one permit. I think we have four posted out there. And each one of them is for one little part of this. And, and I, I want you to keep all of these things in prayer. Uh, and uh, God has brought us each step of the way. I found out, uh, what was it, uh, Friday afternoon or, uh, yeah, sometime on Friday that... Uh, uh, half our work crew from Cleveland that was promised to come isn't coming now. And uh, we've been making phone calls and things. And guess what? We got enough guys. We're going to cover the whole thing. You see, the Lord just works. Why do we worry about things? Because we need faith. Is not faith the answer? How many of you remember the day you got saved? For by grace, that's God's goodness, are ye saved how? Through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And this morning, what I would like for us to look at is the progression of faith in our lives. Faith is not something that is uh, like electricity should be. Uh, uh, if you've ever had to deal with electricity at all, at all, you know that there is fluctuation and voltage and all of those things. How many of you remember a few years ago? Oh, I guess it was more than a few years ago. I think it was 1998. Uh, we had a blackout that started here in New York City and went the whole way to Detroit, Michigan. How many of you remember that? 
And uh, I was rejoicing because as I was trying to be in contact with our church there in Cleveland, I found out one thing. When the electricity went out in Cleveland, so did the pumps that pumped the water to your faucets. You see, in New York City, our water's gravity-fed. It comes from the reservoirs in the mountains, and there's enough pressure that pushes that water. And so, unless you live above 80 floors, we had running water in New York City. Uh, that was a good thing. Amen? And... and uh, uh, There's a lot that happens, but normally, if it's all working right, you plug it in, it works. And a lot of people try to treat faith that way. And you see, faith isn't like that. Faith is something that grows. It's something that has to be nurtured. Faith is the really, truly, faith is the relationship that we have with God, a very, very poor illustration of this are house plants. Uh, how many of you have uh, what is known as a green thumb? I mean, you can just put something in a pot and all of a sudden it just goes everywhere. And if you look up here on the platform, we have right now four, yes, four bins and a little pot here. And, uh, oh, years and years ago, somebody brought one little tiny pot. And uh, there is a uh, clippings from this plant growing at Union Baptist Church. And, you know, we got to get some of this uh, repotted for Community Baptist Church. And we took one up to Fleshman's, I believe. And, I mean, this little plant has grown all over the country, wherever the ministry of our church has. It just grows. But I'll tell you this, if I took one of those and put it in my office, it would die. Uh, There's just not enough sunlight. There's not enough things in there. No matter what happens in my office, it does not grow. And if we're not careful, we can lose what God wants us to have. And the only way you get it is through faith. Now, this story here, we're going to start, we're going to look at a couple of passages and try to follow this thought, a progression of faith, and look at... Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you remember Second Peter chapter 1, we were just there. This is the second time Peter heard God speak from heaven as Peter said, let's build three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And God rebuked Peter saying, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. They come down from the mountain and what happens? There's a crowd of people. The scribes and the Pharisees are there having a big convention with the disciples and they're discussing this and all of a sudden someone says, isn't that Jesus over there? And they start running toward him. And Jesus asks what happened. Verse 17, our story starts. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now look at Jesus' answer here in verse 19. He answered him and said, saith, O faithless generation, 
How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And when they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it go since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child, and oft oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now, we want to stop reading here and, and catch the climax, the, the, the pivotal point of this story in just a moment. But I want you to just stop for a moment and follow the story. This man has a son, and I am sure there are many fathers that have complained about their sons having dumb spirits, but that's not what was happening here, all right? Uh, the, the point being, this son of his had somehow made contact with demonic forces. And he would be walking past a fire and his son would jump in the fire. They would try to cross a little bridge and his son would immediately begin climbing off the bridge and try to throw himself into the river. He would scream and and uh, that's what the word tear him. I mean, the devil always loves to put on a show. How many movies has Hollywood made about possession and, and all of these things that are out there. And, and I would encourage you, please do not put that kind of entertainment into your heart and your mind. The devil may be very entertaining, but there's always a hook in it. And he's trying to pull you in and under his influence. But this father had tried everything there was to try. And finally, he heard about Jesus. Now, I want you to get something here. There was nothing in the entire world that helped this man with his problem. There was no doctor. There were no medicines. There was nothing in the world. I want you to remember that because that's important when we're dealing with faith. So many people, when they talk about faith, let's just jump ahead for the application a little bit here. They somehow believe that there's something out there in the world that is directly opposed to God that's going to help them get to God. Now, I want to challenge you, that cannot, never has, and never will happen. There is nothing in this world, nothing this world has to offer will help you to Jesus. But then the second point was, he had tried religion, my friend. And this wasn't just any religion. I mean, he wasn't like the the person that stopped off at the Jehovah's Witnesses for a while and the Mormons and the uh, Hare Krishnas and, uh, you know, all the different religions of the world. He was a Jewish man. His religion and the faith of the Jewish people is based in these words of this book called the Bible. 
But there was nothing in religion that could help this man and his problem. And finally, he comes to try to find Jesus. And where's Jesus? Not available. I think they attribute Winston Churchill with a quote as he was trying to describe his family. He said, my father was somewhat like God, busy somewhere else. And Winston Churchill was not a man who had faith in the God of the Bible. And and that's a tragedy. And many people believe that their religion is kind of like that. I'll go to church and I'll do things and... Uh, but God, God's got bigger things to take care of than me, so I'll just have to take care of it myself. That's where this man was. And so he comes to Jesus and finds the disciples, and the disciples try. And as Jesus comes down from the top of the mountain there with Peter, James, and John, the Pharisees and the scribes are trying to figure out with the disciples how to cast this demon out, how to have victory over the powers of sin and the devil. Now, you talk about a meeting of the mindless to try to get something done. Here it was. I mean, the incapable, the unworthy. uh, It was a mess. And Jesus comes and finally says, Faithless generation! That, that's not a pleasant thing to say. Nothing in this world, nothing in religion. This story is put in the Bible for a reason. It's to help you and I understand that there is only one place you can go if you want faith. And that's to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? You don't get faith by coming to church. We'll we'll talk about what part church plays in just a minute. You get faith from Jesus Christ. Jesus tells the man in verse 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Jesus told him, that all things were possible to him that believeth. And the father immediately cries out. He says, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Now, there are many, many different perverted understandings of this passage. And we don't have time to cover all of man's misunderstanding this morning. But we want to hit the truth here. We want to get this right. See... If you want to believe on Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus will help you get there. Can we say amen to that? If you want to believe in Jesus, Jesus will help you get there. You see, if you turn into the TVN crowd or all of that, oh, you just got to believe it. The problem is, well, that makes it real easy for the televangelist or the TV guy to say, oh, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. Oh, we got a door that's wide enough to drive a semi through. Uh, We can solve all the problems here and make sure that everybody looks at me 
uh, the way they should. And uh, it's always your fault because you didn't believe enough. And, and then we got the dumb Calvinist, on the other hand, that claimed the height of intellectual, that God is the one that makes us believe. And can I tell you, they're both just as wrong. Like Brother Hardy has often said, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. The goal is to stay on the road. Amen? And the point here simply is that how many of you remember the struggle that you had to get saved? How many of you needed a little help from above to stop believing in yourself and in your religion and all of these things to finally just trust in Jesus? How much stress did God have to put you through before you came finally to the end of yourself and simply believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we say amen to that? But let me tell you, after you get saved, sometimes the Lord turns up the heat, does he not? Sometimes there's some pressure from circumstance and things in life. And we find ourselves almost in the same place that this man was here again. You see, what you do, to I don't know how to say this any other way, what you do to get saved is how you live for God every day. I've often referenced this when I was, uh, my wife and I were first married. We were at Cleveland Baptist Church there in Ohio and They had an evangelist come in, and I mean, he preached a salvation message. And I'm sitting there in the pew saying, wow, wow. I just wish I could lose my salvation so I could get it again and experience all the joy that this preacher's talking about. And then it hit me and said, wait a minute, how crazy is that? I'm supposed to live. In the joy of my Savior. It doesn't, just like a little baby when it's born, there is life. Amen? And that is God's most wonderful gift to us, is life. But I will tell you something. I am glad babies grow up. And uh, tomorrow one of them is going to be running a jackhammer. Amen? And uh, lifting pieces of concrete and throwing it out. I I like it when they grow up. Because you're supposed to grow up. Amen? You see, faith was never meant to be just this thing that I put in my mouth like a mint. and there. Oh, okay, that one's gone. I'll need another one. Let me, uh, let me reach into my pocket here. No. Faith is supposed to grow. But just like anything else, we'll come to points where we don't need to grow. We need to jump. This step of faith is going to be a little bigger than what we had anticipated. And I want you to understand something, just like Jesus helped the man in this story to believe. Just like he helped you to believe to get saved. He wants you to have faith to live. Now let's turn to our next passage this morning. Luke chapter 17, if you would. Luke chapter 17. 
And Jesus is dealing with something here, one of the central issues to Christianity. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, it's often called the Lord's Prayer. It's not. It's a disciples' prayer. Forgive us. And my mind just froze, and I am not going to misquote it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus taught the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount to pray, Lord, forgive me my sins against you the same way I forgive other people their sins against me. Now, that is the thing that makes Bible Christianity different from every other religion in the world. Hello? Why does it always get so quiet when we talk about forgiveness? Let me tell you why. Because every one of us has some scenario running through our mind that we don't want to let go of. We have some injury that has been done against us that we feel deserves divine retribution. I want to challenge you. God will take care of that. He tells us several times in the Bible that vengeance is mine. God is just. He's not going to allow people to quote-unquote get away with it. Even if they do in this whole life, there is an eternity to be dealt with and reckoned with. You don't want to be there. I remember one person just so full of bitterness. Yeah, but they'll they'll get saved and God will forgive them too. And I'm sitting there going, whoa, wait wait a minute. You, You really want this person to go to hell forever and suffer? Now, they were talking to the preacher and so they couldn't answer yes. But I could see the wheels turning and the smoke going... Yes, yes, yes. And a person that has that going on in their soul does not have faith. The Bible is very clear about that. We can't live our lives like the world does. Do you remember? Was there anything in the world that helped the man find Jesus? No, everything that was out there hindered his finding Jesus. It was only when he came face to face with the Savior. And so Jesus, uh, a, a most often misappropriated passage of Scripture, uh, Luke chapter 17, we'll start reading in verse 1. Then he said unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Most time people take this completely backwards. Jesus is telling the disciples, you're the little ones. And I want you to understand that when people hurt you, they're going to have to deal with me. But there's the other side of that. Even us little ones offend other people, do we not? And so, 
as they are listening to this, and Jesus says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive them. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now look at the apostles' response. And the apostles, verse 5, said unto him, Read this with me. Lord... Increase our faith. Uh, hey, they, they got something there. You see, they understood that if they were going to live the way that Jesus was directing, if they were going to be able to forgive, if this was going to be the true hallmark of their relationship with God, they were going to need a whole lot more faith than what they had right now. Now, how many of you know what Jesus' answer was? They said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, Jesus' answer was not pleasant. Uh, We might even say that it was not kind. But I I want to challenge you, it was kind because Jesus gave them the real answer to their problem. And it is the answer to our problem. Verse 6. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as, gra- as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you say, We are unprofitable servants, we have done that, which was our duty to do. Now, if I were to ask the question, do you want increased faith? I would think every saved person would raise their hand saying, yes, I I want increased faith. Well, what did Jesus say was the key? He said, number one, you don't need that much. And this is not this morning's sermon, but I just want you to think about that. Do we know of any substance on this earth that a grain of a mustard seed, a tiny little piece of, would take one of those huge trees across the street and blow it in the air and land it uh, in New York Harbor or the East River? I mean, the East River is only ten blocks away. Uh, Do we know of anything smaller than the head of a pin that would take a tree that size... I mean, that tree across streets is big around. That's about the size of a sycamine tree uh, that's in the Bible. About, uh, they tell us that they could grow 70 feet tall. The one across streets only about 60. So, I mean, we're well in the area. We can see this thing. Do we know of any substance on this earth that you could hold in your hand that would lift that tree up in the air and blow it far enough to land in the river? I want to challenge you. Man has yet to invent anything that comes close to the power of faith. Now, that's free. That's not part of the sermon this morning. But I want you to understand 
We are not talking about some mamsy-pamsy, nice little, we're just going to love Jesus today kind of garbage. We're talking about the power of Almighty God in our life. And every one of us in this room that are saved today desperately need God's power to work in our lives so we can get through this coming week. Could we say amen to that? And if you're here today and you're not saved, you have yet to settle the issue of your eternity. I want to tell you that God's faith is sufficient to take you from this life and this understanding and help you believe in Him. But if we're going to increase that faith, It says, here's the attitude. Now, we in America do not understand servitude in uh, uh, the 21st century. Uh, In fact, one of the statements, and I imagine most everybody in here has used it at one time or another, who do you think I am, your slave? Now, if you said that to your boss, don't raise your hand. Uh, but most of us would be guilty of something along that line somewhere in our life. That, that is the exact opposite of the attitude that God is trying to get us to understand here. Uh, not only to understand, but to embrace. When a servant had work in, in the time of Jesus as he was teaching here, indentured servitude, uh, a forced service. These, these were uh, chattel slavery. These were all part of the Roman world. And uh, even in the Old Testament, there was regulations in the law where you could actually, if you were in debt and couldn't pay your bills, you could sell your services for a period of six years to a fellow person of Israel, and, and they would pay your debt, and then you would serve them. And this is how you would serve them. You would go out in the field and you would work from sun up to sundown. When you came in from the field, you would then wash yourself and clean yourself up. And you would serve the master of the house his dinner. And then you'd get to sit down and eat. How many of you are really thankful that you live in the 21st century and you have a thing called the time clock and rules and regulations? And I mean... Uh, But here was the point Jesus was trying to get the disciples to understand. We sometimes complain about coming to church three times a week. Well, got to show up early for men's prayer meeting? What what is that? What what kind of extra work are you trying to put on us? Uh, Ladies... You got to be here early on Thursday, don't you know? I work. I mean, the subways, and, uh, and and we have all kinds of excuses. Read the book of Malachi. God was angry at Israel because they said the service of the Lord is difficult for us. We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday last Sunday. We. Uh, the Orthodox world celebrates it uh, this Sunday. 
Of course, we at Open Door Bible Baptist Church try to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord every service. And we want to understand something. Read Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus walked up Calvary's road for us. He paid the price for our sins on the cross. Is there anything that he could ask us to do that we should count as a difficult task? Oh, you know, my cross is just so heavy to bear. Yeah, but you're going to be alive at the end of the day. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Jesus did. It says that when we have fulfilled our duty, we should count ourselves unprofitable servants because we've only done that which is our duty to do. You see, we, we live in a world where everything is about making our existence more comfortable, better, nicer, all of those things. So, but God doesn't want me to be miserable. No, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. But what did Paul say? He said, his strength is made perfect in my what? Weakness. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 12. His grace is sufficient. You know, if you could live the Christian life on your own, you wouldn't need faith. But you can't. And there is nothing that you and I can do with our human effort, with everything that we have that would enhance God in any way. Can we say amen to that? But yet, He gives us an opportunity to serve Him. And if you want your faith to increase... This, this is the evil of this purpose-driven church and purpose-driven life movement that is out there. Is that God has created a faith that enhances me. Wrong. Does God have to fix you to use you? Absolutely. It's like the story I tell often when a guy I knew here in New York City many years ago had his car stolen. And uh, when he got it back, he said, it runs better now than when the guy stole it. He had to fix it to steal it. And uh, I hope you don't have a vehicle like that. But uh, that's what your life is like. And if you give it to God, you haven't given Him anything except what He asked for. Then He wants to take our lives. And he wants to use them. And that relationship is called faith. Increase our faith. That we would be able to live in this world as Jesus wants us to live. That we would be able to function together as members of his body, which is the local church. That we could serve him and live for him. One more passage, if you would. Matthew chapter 21. 
And I've picked a rather obscure passage, so I'm going to ask you to listen very closely here because there's lots of things to distract you in this passage. But I believe if we'll just cut right to the heart of it. Verse 17, Matthew 21, And he left them and went out of the city, out of Jerusalem, into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, this was during the Passover week, the week that Jesus was crucified and rose again, he hungered. How many of you have ever just been really hungry in the morning and you had to leave without getting anything? And I mean, you're just walking down the street and say, man, I wonder if I could get anything at Starbucks or I could get something here. And everything just looks boom. Uh, Jesus was hungry. And he saw a fig tree. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. Henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If ye had what? If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Now let me ask you a question as we look at this passage. How many of you have ever prayed and said, Lord, I believe that you're going to do this for me and nothing happened? My hand goes up. I mean, how many of us have? Okay. Could I challenge you, I'm not trying to be rude this morning, I'm just trying to be honest, that maybe the problem is a misunderstanding of what the Bible says. See, Jesus isn't giving you carte blanche to believe that you're going to get anything and just, we'll we'll leave that for the Cadillac and the fur coat crowd. Uh, They can do whatever they want, but I'll promise you, it's not God supplying all those things. Because God's not interested in those things. God's interested in faith. And there are many people that have tried to make the fig tree connect to uh, the Olivet Discord. Of course, when you see the... uh, uh, I want to challenge you. There is no connection to this story, to any other story in the Bible, except through the issue that Jesus has brought forth, and that is faith. Jesus is walking. He is hungry. He hasn't had anything to eat. He's going in. He had taught all day in the temple yesterday. He had probably eaten at Mary and Martha or Simon's house there in Bethany. And he was going in in the morning and he saw a fig tree with leaves. Now, I tried to do some reading on this, but they tell me that the type of fig tree that grew there normally... Uh, when the leaves appeared, the fruit was already on the tree. And figs, unlike many of our fruits that we have here, you can eat them at any stage. Uh, They might not be quite as pleasant as fully ripe, uh, but they'll be there. Other times, 
And, and in addition to this, if the fruit is not picked off the fig tree, this was just a wild tree growing by the wayside, the fruit would hang on all winter and would still be edible if the birds hadn't gotten to it and other things would still be edible in, in the spring of the year. The, the, the figs are a absolutely wonderful fruit compared to apples and all of those things that we have here. I mean, you take an apple, slice it in half, and sit it on a counter, and in a half an hour, it's brown. Uh, figs come in neat little individual packages, and you can take it apart and set it there and eat one this week and eat one next week. And uh, they're, they're wonderful things. And so Jesus had every right to expect something on that tree, either last year's fruit, still hanging there, or the new fruit that had come because it was supposed to grow before. But being a wild fig tree... Something was wrong. There was nothing on it. And we could go off onto all kinds of tangents, but I want to challenge you, it's not your place to curse everything that's wrong in the world. That's not what Jesus is talking about in this story. There are other verses in the Bible tell us not to do that. So don't do that, all right? Don't go there. Here's what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to put the power of faith on display so the disciples would say, Hey, I want some of that. I want more of that. I don't have that kind of faith. I would like to get a greater and stronger faith. In John chapter 16, as Jesus was taking the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, He says, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask in my name that ye may receive and that your joy might be full. Let me ask you a question. How many of us here need an answer to prayer? I I need several. One is we got about two, two or three vehicles out there that need to move before tomorrow morning. Because as the pastor of the church, I don't want to call a tow truck on anybody's car. And so I'd like you to pray with me about that. That those cars will move and that we won't have to call a tow truck. Because I just don't like doing that. But we got to be safe. People have to be able to walk. We have to be able to work and not injure someone. So the cars have to be moved. They just do. And they will be moved one way or another. But I would love to be able to come here next Sunday and say, Hey, you know what? We pray that we wouldn't have to tow any cars, and we didn't have to tow any cars. And if we didn't, and if we do, uh, we'll understand that the Lord is still in charge, and we're still going to move forward anyway. But what I'm simply trying to get you to understand is, God wants us to exercise faith. Hello? Hello? Can we say amen to that? Jesus performed this little episode, incident, with the fig tree, for which the fig tree paid dearly. Boom, it was gone. It withered away, dried up from the roots. And in a few weeks, it would have been knocked over and dead and gone. And there was nothing left of the fig tree. But he got the disciples' attention, didn't he? 
And he told them, here's, here's the thing. Faith is supposed to get things done. You need to exercise faith. We tried to warn the men on the bike ride. You need to exercise before you go on the bike ride. Or you're going to pay for it when you get home. And, and uh, I think we did okay. Maybe a few little pains here and there, but no serious injury. We praise the Lord for that. But church, we need to exercise some faith. What we have. I don't know. I, I praise the Lord for everyone that's here this morning. But I don't know about you. I'd like to see more happen. How about that? How many of you would like to see more people get saved? I would. You see, you're somewhere, every person in this room is somewhere in this progression of faith. Maybe you're like the man in the first story. You've tried everything and you say, I just, I just can't make the jump to get saved. Well, why don't you start off like the man did and just get alone with Jesus. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Could you just trust in Jesus and Jesus alone and nothing else to save you? That's the only way you get saved. How many people are here that are saved today and you're struggling with your service? Maybe you're struggling with forgiveness. Maybe you're struggling with something. I'll tell you what, you need to have your faith increased. Amen? How do you get your faith increased? By being obedient in the little daily things and not expecting Oh, hey, what a, you showed up today. What, what a great accomplishment. No, we shouldn't have to do that at church. I, I know that they do that in political campaigns. People who lose them, they give them per, uh, certificates of appreciation and they have a rally to celebrate the fact they lost and, and, and all of these things that go on. It's a crazy world we live in. Jesus isn't at the back door saying, thank you for coming to church today. Oh, I've been so blessed. But if you want to exercise faith, do you get it? Do I have to go on anymore? If you get it, go like this. You understand? Okay, good, good. Then we can move on. We'll get you out of here before 1 o'clock, all right? Uh, But we ought to grow to that point to where we're exercising faith. That's what Jesus was showing with the fig tree. Don't, don't read anything else into the story. There's nothing else to read. Jesus was showing the disciples that when you exercise faith, things get done. Can we say amen to that? And you, how many of you would like to be in that third stage where you exercise faith and things get done? I think most of us would say, yeah. Uh, I'd hope I'm there already. Well, the fact that you're hoping you're there already is pretty good evidence that you ain't got there yet. Uh, But that's okay. Where else are you going to get encouraged to get there? That's what church is all about. Amen? And it is a process. It is a growth 
thing. And what we do is we'll get to one level of faith and then we have to start all over again saying, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I can't believe you for the next step, but I, I believe I want you to help my unbelief and the Lord moves us up. I mean, I think I, I was pastor of this church six or seven years. Literally, we were in this building and somebody would say, hey, pastor, and I'd turn around, Brother Thompson's here? I just couldn't believe that God put me in the ministry. But you know, it's easy to get comfortable and forget. And so we got to go back. Lord, increase our faith. Because I want to exercise faith and I want to see God work. How many would join me in that statement? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, your word is very simple and very clear. You will help us believe if we will only come to you. Lord, Faith does not come through fantastic and amazing things. It comes through simple daily obedience. And Lord, I pray that you would get us to a point to where we could exercise that faith and actually see something happen. That we would have confidence that is according to your will. Because if it's not, then it's not a faith. Lord... We ask that you would work during this invitation time. If there be one here that has yet to trust you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day. They'd be willing just to walk down an aisle and put their faith and trust in Jesus alone. Lord, we pray for others that need to follow you in obedience of baptism, membership, service, faithfulness, Lord, that we would be that unprofitable servant that has done what our duty is to do, which would put us in a place where we might be able to exercise faith and see God work. We ask that you would bring us through this progression of faith that you may be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As Andrew comes and leads us in the hymn of invitation, the altar's open. If you are in doubt concerning your eternity, we would just ask you to walk down the aisle, look this way, and we'll have someone take the Bible and show you how you might know your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home. If you want your faith to increase, this is a good place to get it.